Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 47 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's Mr. Jim Daly. Yeah! <laughs> Hello. Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> good, yeah, really good, really good. Thank you. How are you? One thousand comedians. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I know it's bonkers. They, they. Uh, I think at the last count, it was nearly twelve hundred since. Wow. It, that's that's since the seventies. My 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 first ever gig was um, Les Dawson on a family holiday, and then the following year we saw Tommy Cooper, and I was hooked. Wow, you peaked early. You peaked really early. <laughs> but I've seen just about everybody. It's 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 amazing, and it, it's a wonderful thing. The blog because it's like a um a an, an annotation of what I've seen, and so it's like a log, and uh, it's 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 wonderful. And 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 to watch new comedians develop and. You know, because I list all, all all the um venues that I've been to that I've seen them in and and the years and everything. So it's fantastic. But anyway, never mind me. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um and uh, we're gonna talk for the next hour or so about your comedy career. And I'd like to start off with how did you become a comedian in the first place? Um uh how did I become a comedian? I almost kind of sort of by accident, really. I, I I got into comedy quite late. I was 27, I think, yeah. so quite late compared to a lot of sort of people and didn't really have any ambitions to do it. Just I started making... I'm a slightly weird kid. I always was a bit of a weird kid. It's sort of like made weird stuff. I used to love like... Do you remember FIMO? You know, the fight, yeah. it was like you put it in the microwave <laughs> and then it become... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing weird things, but when, as I got older, like, the weird things didn't stop. And then I used to make, I started making little parody football songs because I was working at a football website and stuck them on SoundCloud. Remember SoundCloud? Yeah, remember it well. It, it was for rappers and me. And so I stuck them on SoundCloud. And someone at, the, at work said, oh, aren't you stick them on YouTube? And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So I stuck them on YouTube and they did okay. Yeah, handful of listeners and viewers. And someone said, oh, you should do them on stage. <laughs> which is obviously which, which is a defining moment for me. So, uh, yeah, so I started doing parody songs on stage and I just got the bug for it and then realised, looking back, I have I have always had an interest in comedy, but I, I, I didn't really kind of lean into it. I just, it was just maybe just like a bit of an interest in something, but then I realised, oh, actually, this is, this is what this is what I like doing, and I mean, it's classic, isn't it? Performer kind of like you get that sort of buzz from being on stage. Oh, hello, here we go. This has opened up Pandora's box. This <laughs> has <laughs> opened up a side of me that I didn't know I had. But yeah, so so that was it. I, you know, I, I yeah certainly wasn't someone that came, had when I was younger. I trained to be a journalist. That was my background and journalism. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. Wanted to do, and I wanted to be a writer for the Observer on Sunday, and you know, it never happened. I mean, you know, could do at some point, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things. My plans always change, and, and currently it is doing doing stand up. But you know, who knows what the future holds? What What sort of year was this then that you first started comedy? So this is around twenty twelve, right? It was a good year. God, it was a good year for the country. <laughs> I think, as a country, I think we peaked in twenty twelve. My God, what a year that was! Um, <laughs> it's also the year that I met my wife. So when I realised I did want to do stand up, I signed up to a comedy course. It was uh, Logan Murray's course. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Blackheart and Camden, and my wife took the same course. Brilliant. And, um, we started dating, and now and we got married. Did that was wonderful. Yeah. I I uh, tell a lot of comedians this infamous story. I once um, uh, um, wanted to uh, try stand up, and uh, because um, I, I I thought I've seen so many of them, let me have a go. And and uh, I, I knew a promoter, and he he was he was he was um, doing a um, gong show for old people in Edinburgh, and I, and and I thought, well, it's not the best start, but he said, no, no, you'll be brilliant. You walk on, and you you see how long you last. So I wrote this incredible script about me crashing cars in Carlisle, which is my home city. I'm never a very good driver, and. Um, he liked it, and I walked out. And the first thing I said to these three folk were, um, 
Uh, um, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And of course, I'm his double. And one bloke at the back just went, fuck off and cut me off. And that was my comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I said, I said to the promoter, I said, I think I'm much better suited sitting in the audience supporting them all. <laughs> it's just a real shame that on your first ever gig, you've got Eddie the Eagle's most hated fan. You've got his biggest rival. What are the odds? Surely for a gong show for older people, the gong has to be twice as loud as well. Exactly. <laughs> never say never again. But you know, it's. it's um... I've actually, you know, I've actually never done a gong show. Oh, I may have done possibly one up the creek, but I um. I worked out early doors mm. that, that 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 sort of night wasn't for me. And like, it's, comedy, <laughs> no. comedy's changed a lot since I started. Like, it was all like you have to go through the stages and work your way up and do your five and your ten, and then and then drive to Plymouth for ten minutes for nothing and all this kind of and do four hundred mirth spots and all this. Kind of, it was all this, um, and it was all do gong shows. Got to do a gong. You got to do. Um, King Gong, you've got to do all the Gong shows. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I suppose I, I, I always say to comedians, um, to be a great comedian or to be a good comedian, you have to experience bad nights. And I can imagine a Gong show being a bad night. <laughs> but, it, but it's a different kind of bad night because it's so yeah. like it's so aggressive. And some comedians revel in that, and they're so good. And I've seen so many comedians just like yeah. in the palm of their hand. But I just knew it wasn't for me and I've decided that I'm a much more gentle comedian you know my my Edinburgh show was very gentle and so I just figured that wouldn't it wasn't for me so I haven't done them so you know that might be why I'm not on TV right now so you know who who knows but that's just a decision that I took in my career that it wasn't it wasn't for me because I love your positive attitude (laughs) (laughs) yeah I really do I think it's great right so there you were um, wanting to be a comedian. Can you tell me about your first ever gig? Yes, yeah, so my first gig. So, you know, I'm sure most comedians come on here, they, they talk about their first gig being a really great, it was a great night and their friends came to watch them and they had a lovely night and they realised that they got the buzz from the crowd and that set them on the road to stardom. Now, my first gig is probably the worst, probably, definitely the worst first gig anyone's had, potentially the worst gig anyone's ever had. It was horrendous. I don't know why I continued. Um, but it was a, it was a, a, a <laughs> it was uh, it was at a um, a venue called uh, Pear Shaped Pear Shaped Comedy Fitzroy Tavern run by Brian and Crystal. All right, yeah, yeah. Who have just left Australia apparently. They've right, just left the country. Yeah. Um, that's how bad I was. Um, but I so this was in 2012, yeah. 2012, yeah. early 2012, yeah. and this was uh, yeah Fitzroy Tavern. And I was doing musical comedy. I still do musical comedy, but I do musical comedy then with a with a guitar. Yeah. Now, like Richard, I can play four chords. <laughs> and I worked out. I worked out really from that night. If you're going to go on stage and play a musical instrument, you have to be very good at it because the audience will go, "Oh, this guy's good at guitar." If you're unless it's part of your act, unless it's part of your act to be shit at guitar, you're <laughs> good. And I was very nervous. I could, I could my hands were sweaty. I could barely do the chord structures properly. And it was very, it was a very silly, rude song about it was something not that's not my act anymore. Um, but before I went on, so there's obviously a range of acts at these open mic nights. I saw Matt Ewins in my second night. So I went yeah. back, and he's, I mean, he's one of the, he's one of the best. He's probably my favorite comedian. Yeah. Um, and at this, as you'll know from open mic nights, before the break, there's always a headliner because they can then go and double up and go somewhere else. So there's like two headliners yeah. a night: one first half, one second half. The headliner was Robert White. From uh, Britain's yeah. Got Talent, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, even in 2012, so good. Yeah, yeah. He started doing he started doing a song, an improvised song about the promoter. I can't remember the promoter's name, but he was like famously quite a sort of grumpy promoter. <laughs> and he's doing this song, and the promoter starts shouting back, going, "No, fuck off, mate, fuck off." <laughs> and so Robert's like working it in, going, "You fuck off, you fuck whatever." And everyone's uh, like, "Everyone's like, what a great bit! This is a great bit." And then after about 45 seconds, we realised, mm-hmm. "Oh no, actually, they're just having an argument. This isn't the bit." They're actually this oh, and it got really ugly, really ugly. <laughs> and the, and they go fuck off you, fuck off you, wow. word, you you this you that. I was like oh shit. Everyone in the audience is like oh it's horrible. And then um, he packed up his packed up his keyboard, left. Well screw yeah. you, screw you. And then because he'd finished his set really early, <laughs> the MC come yeah. really. Oh, <laughs> Brian said, "Well, we got a few minutes." So up for his first ever gig, Jim Daly. Wow. <laughs> I had to walk on. 
to the coldest room wow, you've wow, ever wow. had in your life. Now, an experienced stand-up on me now, you'd you'd play on that. You'd get yeah. them on side. Really, you'd know exactly what to do. You'd obviously talk about what happened. You know, we've had this traumatic experience, and you'd work the crowd. First ever gig. In fact, I wasn't even Jim Daly then. I was James Daly before I sort of rebranded. Um, I didn't know, so I just went into the hello. I'm, doing this. I'm so sorry, I'm here. I was, and, and I had two friends came with me. My mate Andy, who I'm still friends with, thank you. My mate Jack, who I'm not anymore, so this may have been the reason. And they were both sat at the back of the room, and I can still see it in my head now that they both sort of cowered behind some chairs. I can almost yeah. see their, their faces like peeking up, and not 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 to watch the whole thing. It was one of the most traumatic moments of my entire yeah. life. How long yeah. you five minutes? Five minutes, but it felt like five hours. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and obviously you kept going, that, and that's the massive thing, because you, yeah. you have to forget about it and keep going. Yeah, I, I, and I, perversely, I must have still quite enjoyed being up there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but or, or maybe... Maybe I thought that you know what that was so bad. I need to give it a second crack. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I don't know. I mean, you're, I mean, Andy and Jack haven't come back to see me since. So <laughs> that's not right. Andy came to preview last year. That's why Andy came to preview. I've not seen for ten years. Um, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I have learned actually uh, in the recent years that I am quite a resilient person. Yeah, yeah. Which I think you need in comedy. Exactly. And that was obviously an example of that. But yeah, it was very much sort of. <laughs> uphill from there or downhill it, I mean it, I literally haven't had a worse gig since then uh, <laughs> well yeah. it could only get better oh. yes. <laughs> it's it's interesting because um, you were saying you 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 do five minutes in pubs presumably to hone, hone you around and um, I I go to many of those as the friend so I've seen the I've bringer. seen I've seen many uh, a same act do five minutes and laugh in the all the right places. I am I am genuinely enjoying it, but you can get tired of hearing the same five minutes over and over and over again. But they're so grateful for you for turning up. And, fair, uh, you can get tired. I think you can get tired of doing that five minutes. <laughs> but it's but it's a great way to go in. A lot of the comedians these days do start off with five minutes and then obviously work your way up but um uh, and i and i love the way they're all just sitting in the audience and, and you applaud and they all just get up and then sit down again <laughs> but it's yeah. a wonderful way I, w- I would go a lot uh i haven't seen it for a while but i would go a lot to birdies um on the strand that's a free comedy showcase and the comedy virgins at stockwell um I, w- I would go there go there a lot i know, I know them all there and uh comedy comedy virgins was one i used to go to a lot in the early days yeah, yeah. um it was a yeah. great one great one for new people the only problem with that is about, about 400 acts and it would go on to about one in the morning and you didn't know when your spot was so you'd just be like Am, is it me oh no is it you're constantly nervous the whole night yeah, is it me? All night with a smile on your face <laughs> <laughs> but it, those nights are nice because i do i do think like the majority of acts are really supportive um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a, well, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. They are nice, and you get yeah. to meet other bats and stuff. So yeah. that is networking is part of it. So I'm not very good at networking. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm go enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm well, an editor the life as well. You've got you've got a family, I believe, of you. Yes, and 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 you know, well, you're a dad. You know, yeah. so yeah, I do. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I do. I do. I, I do wonder if sort of comedy is. is Maybe a single person's game, but uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to about that now. <laughs> no, right. no, no, keep going, keep going, please. Um, uh, so you're there with your football songs on stage with your guitar. Um, what what do you like to talk about on stage? Do you have any specific themes or um, uh, any any current things, or how do you work out what you're going to say? I mean, like most comedians, it's mostly stuff about myself. Um, right. which to be honest took me a while to, to get to because I, I have to, in the first few years I did a lot of stuff that was like like made made up kind of stuff because I thought it was funny and then I realized actually that it, the funniest stuff is about is about you yeah um, it's, reality. I, it's reality completely yes. and it's, yeah and then it's relatable you know mm-hmm. so that the audience can yeah, yeah. relate to it hopefully but that took me a while to get to actually um, a lot of the songs I was doing were kind of like made up made up stuff but it is 
it's all about me now. And, and I know it's such a cliche, isn't it? But it is, it is true. And, and I realised, again, only a few years ago, because I, I took a break from stand-up. I stopped around sort of 2016 to try and do yeah. other stuff like presenting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to it in 2019. So about, yeah, about a three-year break. Um, and when I came back in 2019, I realised that I was a very gentle comedian. I just realised that was just me. I'm not ranty and ravey and I'm not <laughs> political. That's like fine. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. You have to be in, you. In fact, that's very endearing because I always say when comedians walk on, they've got one minute, whether they're original, endearing, warm or above all funny, and then that's it. You know, you've got the one minute and you're away. And you're very much like that because... Uh, um, it, it 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 is a very warm act. Yeah, com- well, I thank you very much, and I completely agree. I think that you 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 have to just be you, and that is me. I am just a sort of friendly, likable kind of guy, and I always try to be in real life, and I get always worried people like me, all that kind of stuff. So it's no wonder I'm a comedian. Um, so <laughs> that's very much me, and I just figured, yeah, that. So this Edinburgh show I'm doing, it's um again, it's all just it's gen- I'm literally billing it as gen- this is gentle comedy. There's no swearing. It's just me being silly and gentle, and uh, you know, it's kind of comedy for all, and that is me. So again, it goes back to the gong. That's why you know I'm not. A, I wouldn't yeah. thrive in gong shows. I wouldn't thrive in you know some of the clubs. You know, I just wouldn't sort of thrive in them. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm almost alternative, I guess, nearly, maybe. I'm maybe sort of alternative, but um, in those people like me and some don't. But um, no, it's, yeah, it's very, so all my stuff is about me and my family and being half yeah. Irish and being a vegetarian and all, again, gentle, gentle stuff. Good man. Um, so can you tell me about uh, your writing process, if you've got one, for a routine or a show? How do you go about writing? So I... So I, I'm currently halfway through my first my first show. So this is my first sort of solo show. So I'm learning I'm learning as I'm doing it. But I had been working on the show for two years because, like many people, planned to take it up last year and, mm-hmm. and, and that didn't happen. So, um, so that, it's been an interesting process doing that. I've done two shows previously with other people, but this is the first time on my own. I'm really enjoying it, but the whole process is quite new to me. But but I I write a lot because I do a lot of online comedy. So and that is a whole other ball game because it obviously needs a lot of content yeah a lot you've got to be doing stuff almost every day but it's really good for the for the comedy writing muscles because you're constantly right so i'm doing little sketches little parody songs and stuff so i'm constantly writing material that, that could be on could be for stage um so i'm flexing those muscles a lot which is good which means that i end up i get lots of ideas so i don't yeah. know about you but like i get loads of ideas in random places so whenever i'm driving which is a nightmare because you can't Unless you want to pull over and write notes, obviously you'd have to remember it until you get to like the next your destination, or in the shower. And I, th- <laughs> I, I think someone should invent. I don't know if it's invented, but someone should invent a waterproof notepad. For the uh, <laughs> I don't know why that hasn't been done because I, I have so many ideas. It's, it's like when you're doing something, your brain's sort of switched off from concentrating. That's when, or late at night when I'm about to go to sleep, something think, oh. And so I sort of then toyed myself, but will I remember it in the morning? If it's good enough, I'll remember it. And then, of course, I don't. It's a stupid idea. Just, just write it down like when you get the chance. <laughs> um, so I basically have all, I, I constantly have ideas and stuff, and then I write them down, and then I let them sort of like um, sort of brew, I guess, like a cup of tea in my yeah. head. Um, yeah. And like tea, you've got to brew it for the right amount, you know what I mean? Like not too long, not too short. Um, and then when I sort of feel like it's ready to be written down, then I write it down. Sometimes... Um, I've got notes and stuff and I look at the notes and think, what the bloody hell does that mean? Um, <laughs> but, and sometimes I think, oh yeah, oh, I remember that. And then it comes to me again, I think, okay, this must be half decent because I know what the note means and I remember it. And and, yeah, I, and you get that little buzz of excitement when you're writing a joke. That you think, so oh, do, you have, um, do you have notes on stage with you or notes on your hand or something like that? I try not to. I really, really try not to because I think it's it's too much of a crutch, and I think it's too. I think it's distracting when they look down. Yeah, certainly. I'm I'm I'm, I'm all right with a notebook. You know, if if you want to just have a look down and then away again, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. Do you th- do you think that a notebook is sort of more acceptable for an audience member than than hands? Because it's almost like saying I am going to look at my notes. Well, a little notebook until you know it. And then, and then obviously when you're doing the proper show, there's no notebook or anything like that. But certainly I watch a lot of previews and they come on and it's much better with a notebook and they record it with a mobile phone as opposed yeah. to your hand. And also, 
down and you should be looking out at the audience and engaging. It's so true. And and there's also an argument for like, it's better to come on and do a good show from notes than a bad show from memory, which I, yeah, you know, and yeah. you do get to know it. Like my, yeah. Sorry. My, sorry. My, my first show at the Fringe this year, I had uh, a little set list in front of me because I was struggling and I did look at it three or four times. Thankfully, mm. no, thankfully, there was only five people in, so it's ideal timing. Um, well. <laughs> then the next night, I decided I'm not going to do that. So I literally, I literally just, I ran and ran and ran and ran and ran the show. And then I just had on my hand, I just had a little, little memory from two or three bits where I knew I kept forgetting, but I actually didn't need it. I actually managed to do it off, off book. And then yesterday I did it completely off book as well. So, um, and, and you, you feel so much better. But when I was doing my previews this year and last year, I had, I did have my script with me and it's like, yeah, it's like yeah. 10, 10 pages. So I'm like flicking through it all the time. But yeah. I, I, I think after a while of performing, you do get quite good at the sort of sleight of hand because I felt like I was looking at my notes maybe every 45 seconds. But every free preview, the audience were like, oh, you barely looked at your notes. I think <laughs> mate, I was. I was looking at them literally. <laughs> but they just don't see it. Or you're very good at looking when, yeah. they're, la- when, they're, la- when they're laughing or, and, and they're distracted or whatever. Um, or you're looking down during a bit when you're, I don't know. I don't know. You just you're just good at the sleight of hand. So, but if you, you're right, it's so much better off book, and you just feel better about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 very interesting because uh, Billy Connolly infamously uh, had his producer with a little tiny piece of cardboard with about eight words on for about yeah. a two two hour show, and yet somebody like Ken Dodd, I mean, he would not leave the stage, and he'd be uh-huh. there four hours and you think how on earth do you remember all that but some it, people some people are better i do have bad memory in general and I, I don't know if it's because i've become a dad recently or i'm just falling <laughs> apart i don't know but i'm i'm bad at memorizing anything which is not good not good for a comedian like you have to have good memory <laughs> so i very much need to like practice 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 all the time but some people yeah. are just good some people are just good they have good memories they're really good at like, I mean, Ken Dodd is, is an absolute, like, anomaly. He's, yeah, he is, yeah. But, but you know, uh, some people are better at it than others. I have to work at it. I really have to work at it. But I, I'm resilient and I'm hardworking. And that, that is honestly 50% of the game. Yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, other than the blog, uh, the most creative thing I've ever done was write a play, a short play. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, we tried to get it on the Edinburgh Fringe, but we made a lot of we, we, we made a lot of money for Comet Relief. Put it on for Comet Relief. It's called The Applicant, and it's about me um, coming down from Carlisle to London trying to get a job, and I've never had an interview in my life. I've got a successful girlfriend who's uh, uh, very successful in the city, but I've never had an interview. So I walk out, and each scene is me progressing. Uh, the interview so it starts off with a monologue then there's the interview monologue interview monologue and my mate does all these um impersonations so he played all the interviews so we rehearsed this for about 10 weeks and i wrote the thing and on the first night i ran out and i had to do this six page monologue just to set the scene and i and i completely forgot (laughs) no I was like a rabbit in headlights. <laughs> the, the 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 best joke I wrote was his name. He was called Norman Oliver Hope. So when when uh, when he got the rejection letters, dear N O Hope, and they loved but, lovely. But I was just spouting words. It was like Norman, father, sweet shop, job. <laughs> I'm like, get out and bring him. Once my friend came on. It was brilliant because we would banter off each other. And I think you need something. And with you, it's your guitar, I presume. You need some sort of prop to help you. or is right. it- the, guitar, the guitar disappeared after that first gig. Right. Oh, well. <laughs> no, no, I learned what works and what doesn't. No way. No. The microphone in the stand, they say that's a barrier. But to have that there to hold on to, that's, yeah. you know. That's- Maybe person on stage i suppose with you i don't yeah. know you do get a, you do get a feeling sometimes of like um so no worrying questions about nerves and stuff like you always get nerves before a gig but, but as soon as you yeah. get on stage and like hold the mic it sort of goes away sometimes or, or you do your first joke and it lands and you think oh once, I'm... once you once you're speaking you know, yeah. the, the nerves go yeah yeah, well, you, yeah. you sort of click into because i used to do a lot of football coaching when i was right. younger and i went to america and coached coach soccer in america um, which was great because, like, if you play football in America with a British accent, they all think they're David Beckham. 
and I think you're amazing at football. <laughs> Even though I'm very bog standard centre midfielder. Um, but I remember coaching. I would have nurse four sessions as well because I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm, again. Don't know what I'm doing. Like this is going to be a mess. And then the kids turn up and you sort of click into coach mode, and it's kind of the same on stage. You just click into performer mode and suddenly you're doing it and you're bantering the audience and you're just like oh yeah all those nerves disappear and you think oh I can do this but I just human psyche I think oh very much so I mean um I I used to go uh when I used to go to comedy clubs I always used to sit about halfway back or at the back because uh, uh, I thought my laugh would carry and they would know I was there but um when I go to my regular comedy club which is always be comedy in Kennington um, I, I, I always have the front row seat because uh, he's such a welcoming host. And uh, one time he, he plays daft games with the audience. At one time he played the lyric game and uh, he played Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. And I remember that uh, song. I so remember it from college. And uh, I end, I start, I started singing it, and of course the joke is I can't sing, and now I can't sing a note. So, um, but now every week, he had, or just about every week, he has me standing up in front of the crowd, and it's so good because again you're bouncing off somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so um, it's like you're doing, it's like you're doing an initiation at a new football club, yeah. <laughs> standing up in your chair. To be fair, James Hill, Palace Sorry. legend, James yeah, is a yeah. Palace legend. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Um, what do you think makes a good comedian? I don't know that that's a very good question. Do you think there is such a thing as a good comedian, as a, being a comedian yourself? I, I guess it's subjective, isn't it? I mean, co- comedy is subjective. So, yeah. you know, what what comedy you don't like, someone else might love and vice versa. I think, so I don't know. I think what makes a good comedian, I think, is, is anyone that makes someone laugh. You know, yeah. if someone makes you laugh, they're a good, good comedian. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might be for you, they might you know other people's might not be for you kind of thing but I think anyone that you know I've so much respect for people up at any well anyone that does comedy especially up at the fringe but like anyone that gets up on stage and has the cojones to get up and and yeah, try and make people laugh. <laughs> I was about to say balls and then I thought I'd say cojones actually <laughs> fine. I don't know I just um, <laughs> I think uh I'm sort of weirdly self-editing there um I think it takes a, I mean to be fair even people that do comedy plays, you know, or or stuff like that, I, I think they're still a comedian of sorts. And I think if they're, mm-hmm. they're getting up, and do, to be honest, anyone that's doing online comedy, you know, even mm-hmm. that can be nerve wracking yeah. sometimes to put yourself. Yeah. There. I think if you're anyone that's doing that and making people laugh as a comedian, and then obviously, you know, some comedians make it on t- TV, some go global, some stay on the circuit, some get big online, some stay in the open mic circuit. It, it, everyone has their thing, and that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very much so. When um, when the blog started, I went on a half-day writing course just to see what it was all about. And um, I was with a load of rev- people who wanted to be reviewers. And uh-huh. they came round to me, the woman came round to me, and she said, we've forgotten why we've invited you onto this half-day course. And I said... Well, I'm not a reviewer, I'm not a diarist, I'm not a reporter, I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time, and my blog is an enthuse. And I think having taken the positive stance where it's very, very rare that uh, I will give a bad blog uh, um, because I'm so enthused, I'm so passionate about the subject. And you're right, it's like anyone who can get up and have a go, that's the positive bit of doing it. And uh, it's it's it, it, it's fascinating. And it is all about experience. And obviously, the more you do, the better you become. So, yeah. Um, I think, and I think as well, like, I think your, your positive approach, I think, is absolutely crucial because it's really easy in this industry to get negative. It's, yeah. And... and and obviously, there are, I, I've seen some reviews already in the fringe that have, that have been, I would say, way too harsh. And oh, mate. <laughs> some reviewers, some reviewers do. I think, I don't know, almost take it. I don't know, but I think positivity is great because whatever you think about a comedian, if, you, if you're going to review them and think they have a good good show, the person that knows that most is the comedian themselves. Believe yeah. me, we are we are very self critical, and we know that already. We don't need then someone else right putting it down on paper and telling the whole world. You you're better off just not doing not doing a review. Very much so. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 so true. Um, 
to date, what has been your best and worst comedy gig? I can imagine your worst one was the first one. <laughs> yeah. It can only get better. I can't really imagine you ever having a bad gig. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's very kind. You know what? I, I haven't had a bad that's one as bad as that since since then. To be honest, I um, I, I seem to be the sort of comedian that's sort of like does okay most nights. I think I'm sort of roughly around a six point five or seven most games. I'm essentially, I would say, the James Milner of comedy in that I'm just very. I give you a seven out of ten, and you go home happy. I'm not going to be man of the match. But I'm not going to score an own goal at the same time. So, um, but I, I think that might probably is down to my sort of on stage personality. I think I remember. Oh, someone early days, can't remember who it was, told me if you can't be funny, be entertaining. And I think at least um, when I do comedy songs and stuff, even if they're not laughing all the way through the comedy songs, hopefully they find them entertaining. Got your songs, you know, and that and that will help be yeah. entertaining very much so yeah yeah, yeah. i think having a nice personality on stage i think if you're you know if you're a comedian that's ranty and stuff the best ones are the ones that do it with a sort of twinkle in their eye and so you yes. know it's kind of like an act and stuff but um so <laughs> anyway so that's my worst gig the, be- the best gig i had i mean um i remember i did a gig once in manchester and it was in a bar in manchester i can't remember it was really early on so i was probably maybe a year in and I was doing 10 or 15 minutes in the middle. I'm not even sure I got paid. If I did, it was sort of expensive, you know, travel expenses. My my sister was living in Manchester at the time at university and she came with her friends. <laughs> so instant pressure. And it was a very raucous crowd. It was, there, there was a massive Hindu. There was a huge Hindu on a table in front of us. And like most comedians, and they see Hindu stag dudes, like, oh God, here we go. And, um, but I used to do a song and I'm thinking of, I stopped doing it. It was called Under the Thumb to the tune of Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. So as, as soon as people hear the first few bars, they're like, oh, here we go. And it, it used to be really well. I, I, but I wrote it in sort of 2012, 2013. And I actually stopped doing it because I, I actually think the joke was slightly rooted in misogyny because it was a, a song about my mate who's under the thumb. It was a bit blokey and not really me. And I do think it's a I'm trying to rewrite it and change it so the joke is on me. And so like maybe I'm under the thumb or something. Because I think comedy, it's not even a case of like punching up or down. It's like sort of punching inward rather than sort of punching outward. Um, so I've had to try and, re- yeah, I'm, I, I stopped doing it actually been quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, I did it on that night and it used to do really well on, on raucous nights. Um, and the Hindu loved it. They, they went, they went mad. It was like the Chippendales were on stage. They went crazy. <laughs> And like, so I did re- I felt really good, but, but obviously as comedians, you're still always like a bit like, oh, did it go that well? You're, you're very critical. Came on stage and the next act, who was, I can't remember who it was, he was like a circuit regular, went, well, how do I follow that? <laughs> in that moment, I was like, oh, actually I smashed it. I, did, I had a really good night. And my sister was there and she was like, she was like beaming because obviously she's brought her friends. It's very risky if her brother then like dies on his ass. Um, so that was a, re- yeah, that was a good night where I definitely felt, yeah, I'd really sort of done done very well that night. But it's all again, you know, it's all progress and editing. I'd had to do that song, and so it's all. Was there, was there ever a moment uh, where you thought, "Yes, I can do this, and I can do this well"? Okay, yeah, I, do you know what? There is exactly a moment, mm-hmm. um, and I was so I moved to Chesham in Buckinghamshire in about 2015, and right. got to know the comedy club owner there, Mark Ran. Um, who's one of the nicest guys now lives around the corner for me one of the nicest guys ever we play football together on a Monday night he's the best and he's booked me loads for that gig and I've emceed it and stuff and it's a lovely lovely gig really lovely comedy savvy regular audience it's great so I did a couple of spots from there and then he said they run gigs all around sort of South Bucks he said oh do you want to go and do half an hour in Aldermaston which I think is a is a have you ever been <laughs> no never been it's like near Reading I think military <laughs> Ex-military base or something? No, never been. <laughs> okay, why not? And um, I... Oh, no, actually, I wasn't living in Cheshire at the time. I, it was before I moved to Cheshire. I was living in Ballam with my mate Callum, who I'm with him now staying in his house in Glasgow during the fringe. And I was very nervous back then. Never done half an hour before. Very nervous. And so I was basically the headline. It was one of these, like, pub gigs and um, just one comedian, and it was you. So basically sort of, like, de facto headliner. Um, and I went. I was very, very nervous. But I, and I was only about... 10 people there having their dinner but I just clicked into comedy mode and I had a really good gig they were they really loved it I, I, yeah. I felt really in control I just I was silly I was you know chatting chatty did, did a lot of crowd work that I hadn't really done before 
And I remember getting the train back thinking, oh, yeah, I can do this. Like, I can. doesn't matter what the gig is, whether it's, you know, a big gig, you know, 100 people somewhere or, or 10 people in the pub in Aldermaston. Like, I can do it. Those, those 10 people you entertained you know you're it doesn't matter or doesn't matter what the number is those 10 people are out to have a good night and you delivered completely so, and, yeah. and as you said that's you know what's a comedian well that is that is a comedian so yeah yeah that yeah. was a i remember and callum like would rib me as like oh you're big in aldermaston then oh jim daly huge in aldermaston here we go he's made, he's made it um <laughs> Carlisle, that's as big. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. The furthest north I've done is Leek, I think, which is Staffordshire. Oh, well, I was at college there, so. <laughs> yeah. And I, to be fair, that night I didn't. I died. I did not do very well. But it was with um, Gary Delaney was headliner. Oh wow! And, and he's obviously one of the best, um, yeah. and he smashed it. And I was in the middle spots, so and I did. I did five out of ten. Maybe it wasn't great, but he was so kind afterwards, and was like. You got some really good bits in there, you know. Keep working at it, and I've, I've never forgotten that actually. Yeah, yeah. Like we said, yeah. That's 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 lovely. That's that's really great. Um, you've touched on this before. Um, do you have a process of remembering all your routines when you're on stage doing a proper show? I mean, um, I'm not talking about the notebook, but is there like any links or whatever in in your mind as you go along that pick it up? Uh, yeah, so I'm very, I'm a very visual person. So I write, I write prompt, I've written a script, prompts and set list kind of thing. And so I, I, I then run and run and run and run that. So in my head, I can sort of see the words in my head of like what comes next kind of thing. Um, for this show in Edinburgh, I do have a projector that's got gags and jokes on it. So it's about my daughter. I've got pictures of my daughter and it's about Tony Cascarino. It's got photos of Tony Cascarino. And, um, <laughs> so I, in my head, I sort of know when I know what's coming next, I almost know what the photo is going to be. So I know that photo and then I know sort of what joke comes after that. So yeah, um, yeah. I did, I once did a course years ago. I think it was when I was doing football training and they were like, you can tell, tell what sort of person you are from how you learn. And some people learn through memory and some learn through vis- visualization. And I'm a visual person. Like I have to see it. That's why mm-hmm. I can't, I, I'm brilliant at remembering directions. But yeah. I, I couldn't tell you the directions. I could just tell you like what pub you go left at and like what, you know, what road sign comes next. Cause it's just, it's visual and that's just how I learned. So I need to see the script and see it and then, um, and then remember it from there. But I have to, I have to run and run and run stuff. Like I, I really need to practice, 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 which is why Edinburgh has been so good. Cause you are literally doing it every day. And then every uh, day, I really feel into my, oh, yeah. 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 There's something about saying it out loud. I yeah, heard yeah. Like you have to say stuff out loud and then you, that helps it go back in again. So, uh, yeah, so I'm the sort of person that we're conscious of. Actually, before my second show, I realised I needed a um, an extender cable, like an extension cord. And, it, and the only one I could get was a 20-minute walk at the other, side of, other end of the four mile. And my show was in an hour. I was like, shit, <laughs> taking it down. And as I was walking, I was like going over the show in my head. And I realised to passers-by, I must have seemed mad. So I was just going, I was walking along going, Thursday. Um, yeah, rock football, uh, Cascarino. Uh, and golf. And I thought, oh, who is this guy? You need to avoid him. He's absolutely mad. You thought, you, you thought instead of doing a show, you might get taken away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the PR. I mean, the PR is great for that. Let's move on to Edinburgh itself. Um, I am exceptionally lucky to be able to go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year. I've been going since 2005. And I see, I go for a week and I see about 50 shows. Now, I'm talking to you today from London and we're we're recording this in August, just as the Fringe is starting. I'm going up to the Fringe on Sunday for for the midweek and I'm going for my week. Um, Can you tell me, I think it's, it's, the atmosphere is incredible when you step off the train at Waverley and you just get swept along and it's it's the most wonderful thing. Can you tell me about your first ever fringe and what your experiences were and, and right up to now? So my the first time I went was 2012 with my new girlfriend, now wife, um, which is actually quite a big thing to do together. I mean, she, she for context, she's an actor. So she's been to the fringe many, many times before and um, performed there and, so it was part of our world where, of course, I was just getting into comedy. So actually I had never been before and was just learning all about this kind of stuff. So we went together for a few days and, and had an absolute blast. I did a few spots. I was incredibly nervous. I did a really terrible open, open mic spot. 
And my mum promised she wouldn't come. Then halfway through my five minutes, I saw her silly little head pop out from the back of the room with a big grin on her face, even though I was dying on my ass. And so I'll never forget that. Just her proud little head. While I was doing it. That's what it is. Quite, quite completely. Um, but then the next year we went again. And then um, in terms of performing, my first show was 2015, which again, right. I did together um, a split sort of hour, well, shared it, sort of split the shared, kind of did a lot of stuff on stage together. That was a lot of fun, actually. And you, you're, you're right when you're saying about the bouncing off people. That, yeah. that was really nice to do that. We did make a slight mistake. So that was 2015, um, uh, Laughing Horse. We did a venue called Jekyll and Hyde, which I don't think is there anymore. I knew it. I'm sure I've been in it. But yeah, you're it's, right. It's closed. Closed down, yeah. We, yeah. Our show was called That Silly Show, and it was just lit. I mean, it, I barely had 15 minutes of comedy, so it was me stretching out my 15 minutes, Miranda doing that. And then at the end of the show, she did a song uh, from Frozen, a parody song from Frozen, and I appeared dressed as Elsa walking down the stairs. And, and, and that, that was the best bit of the show. Thanks for admission alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone loved it. Um, and then, you know, bucket with full at the end, because everyone couldn't believe that I'd put on the Elsa dress. Um but we made a mistake in our flyering and our postering because um, we, we thought we'd just make it as silly as possible. So for the promo, I dressed up in a tiger onesie and she dressed up in a tutu. And it was us like dancing on Ballam High Street, just like mucking around. <laughs> and we thought, oh, this is great. It's very silly. It's called That Silly Show. It's obviously silly. People are going to come and not expect, you know, highbrow comedy. But unfortunately, we didn't realise we'd basically pitched it accidentally as a kid's show. Because right. every day we got, because as you know, there's not a lot for kids in Edinburgh. Like there's more this year, to be fair, but there isn't, there isn't a lot really. So yeah, if you're yeah. a parent with, with young ones, you know, anything that looks like a kid's show, you're like, oh, thank God. And it was like midday, a midday show, 12 or 1 or whatever. So we, every day, had to turn away um, parents and kids because the venue was an over 18 venue. So they right. legally weren't allowed in because I think the bar was like right by the door. Right. And one day... We turned away a teacher and 35 kids, which would have packed out the room, would have been sold out oh. because they weren't allowed in legally and then played to three people. Wow. <laughs> That's the fringe. But yeah, we, so I learned a valuable lesson about um, promo that day. So be very, very careful about how you promote your shows. I, but, yeah. I, I always remember there was, a, there was a comedian who shall remain nameless and I was there one year in a little tiny cafe. It's a tiny room. And I was with a mate of mine who was reviewing for the papers and the comedian walked on and there was three people. It was me, my mate and a bloke in the front row. And he went, hello, everybody. Welcome. Oh, there's only three of you here. Thank you so much for coming along. Let me buy you a drink uh, as a thank you. And, you know, it's not worth doing it to three people. The bloke in the front row sat there with his arms folded and went, no, I've paid my six pound. I want the hour. Yep. <laughs> to do it yeah. <laughs> to be fair that's that's edinburgh and i mean my first show this this run had five people it was technically six but one didn't, didn't turn up so it's five um but i still did the show and i can't remember who someone once said like you do your show in edinburgh whether it's five people or 500 because they paid for it because for those five people have have known about you or are taking a chance or whatever they want to be entertained and if you can do it for five people you can do it for five thousand completely right and also they've the free there's three and a half thousand shows here and they've chosen your show for that hour i mean that in itself is a really big sort of tip of the hat so mm. you owe it to them to the show um and actually those five people were a brilliant audience we had yeah. we had a really good really really good time so hopefully they they took five people the ones that um you don't know much about or you're not aware about. It's like taking a chance. I've done that with three or four this year and uh, I've never heard of them. I'm just going to go and do it. And, and it could be the next big thing, you know, that, that that's the magic of it. Tell me about your current show. Are, are you there right now in, in, in Edinburgh? So I'm technically in Edinburgh. I'm actually, I'm at, well, I'm not, I'm in Glasgow because I'm staying at my right. mate Callum's in Glasgow. Um, I stayed here in 2019. Right. Free, free accommodation. So, which is <laughs> very lucky. Exactly. Right. So I'm so, commuting. This is your first solo show run this year. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so it's called Jim Daly Football and Fatherhood, and it's a show about <laughs> football and fatherhood. I decided when you're not when you're famous, you can do a lovely little pun on your name in the title <laughs> of the show. And that's great. No, Joe Lysett does it. Every, Glenn Moore does it every year, yeah, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's earned that right because yeah. he's so good. Yeah. Um, 
when you're someone like me, I think you have to kind of grab people's attentions and say what it's about. So I literally just thought, I'm just going to call it. My, um, I did a podcast with a lady called uh, Tara Newton-Wordsworth, who was in uh, News Review with my wife in 2013. And we stayed in contact. And she did a show a couple of years ago about being a mum. And she called it Motherhood. And she told me, I had people coming every day because they saw the title. I'm a mum. I'm going to come to the show. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the exact same thing, Tara. So I'm just going to call my football and father. That's yeah. great. And I think you have to. Um, but essentially, so it is a show about basically my sort of comedy, sorry, my fatherhood journey um, using my love of football, which is true. I'm a big football obsessive. Um, how it helped me be- become a dad and also how basically I picked up Tony Cascarino's book. For anyone who doesn't know, he's a former footballer and he was a bit of a bad boy. Um and his book is unbelievable. It's so good. And actually, there was so much in that book that I needed to read at that time of being a dad in the early months. And so it's just all kind of a bit serendipitous, really. Um, so the show is about my, me becoming a dad, but also a lot about Tony Cascarino. And he's, a, he's an easy figure as well to kind of like have fun with. Um, so that's what it is, really. And it, it, and but it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, like, um, you know, when did you know how to be you on stage? It's all very, it's all me. It's all gentle. It's all silly. It's a couple of parody songs in there. It's, it's it's heartwarming you know it's uplifting it's not it's not political it's not ranty I'm, I'm hoping that people see it as a nice uplifting silly yeah. hour in their day it's 4 30 in the afternoon so it's a lovely time before you go and have dinner and go and see oh, a tv yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's and a, it's a nice you, show where do you wanna which venue i'm at the just a tonic grass market center right uh, which is a lovely venue it's it's um I saw Darren Walsh there one year. It's a really good room. Oh, I've not seen Darren for a long time. Um, so um, it's a lovely venue and it does a lot of, when I first turned up, they were doing a soup kitchen. So it's a really important venue that does a lot of great stuff. And so I actually, I really feel at home there. The staff are lovely. The Just the Tonic staff are really nice. There's a nice vibe to the place. Um, you know, and I've done previous shows in cu- cu- cupboards, you know, cupboards of the Royal Mile. So um yeah. It's it's, I really like it. I really <laughs> like it. I feel at home there. And, and I think that's half the battle of Edinburgh, sort of finding somewhere you can sort of be. When I can sit quietly during the day and sort of like have a coffee and work on my show yeah, and stuff, then yeah, pop upstairs yeah. and everyone, the sound technicians are great. So I, I, I'm feeling at home, definitely. Um, and are you doing the whole 25-day uh, run? I am, except in the middle of the run, my brother Sebastian, who moved to Dublin a couple of years ago, um, is getting married and I'm the best man. So... <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I've got to go to a venue, a place called Clock Jordan in the west of Ireland uh, on the 17th of August. Uh, oh. so I'm missing, and it, obviously because it's an Irish wedding, he, he's marrying a Colleen, he's an, an Irish lady, and she's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's a two-day wedding. So it's, oh, mate, so you'll miss you. So I, mm. Just a tonic, don't do 15th anyway. That's a that's like a company-wide day off, so no show on the 15th. Then I'm back on the 16th, and then I'm off for the 17th, 18th, 19th. And as you'll know, Slap bang in the middle of the run, probably like the, the week to not miss. Um, but you know what? It's my brother's wedding. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm best man, so I'm obviously going to do some great material then anyway, and just got to and have a great time. And, and congratulations to him. Um, I'm just thinking that um, with me going up on from the 14th to the 21st, um, I, I, I'm hoping I will, I'm going to do my best to come and see you. I have got a packed. Schedule, but even if I don't see your show, I'll buy I'll, I'll buy you a beer because I think it's great what you're doing. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'd love that. I'd absolutely do it. Either either will do for me. Beer yeah, or yeah. show, I don't mind. That'd be great. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so um, to date, what has been your comedy highlight? Would you say the Edinburgh Fringe or? I mean, um, to be honest, I feel like this run could become yeah. that potentially because I'm I'm three three shows in now and I feel very settled and I'm really enjoying it. And tomorrow I'm going to start seeing other shows as well and start seeing us supporting other acts. And yeah, Yeah. now I'm a bit settled. Um, So this will be up there. I'd say I've done a couple of gigs that were, were, that were really definitely highlights. I'm very good friends with Kevin Day through Crystal Palace. He's obviously, you know, comedy legend. He's been Um, on, he's a lovely bloke. Oh, he's, he's, he was, he did the, uh, he led the speeches at my wedding. uh, Oh, wow. He's just the Brilliant. best, which was yeah. amazing. He was so good. Um, and he obviously now and then puts on a few big shows. So I did a five minutes for him at the Fairfield Halls back in 2015, which was yeah. 600 oh, people or so. And that was great. And that was, and the, the, the lineup was mad. It was like John Richardson and Reginald D. Hunter and Sean Walsh and me. I mean, it was, it was mad. 
So that was a real, real highlight. And they were all lovely as well. So John Richardson was particularly lovely. So that, even though I was sort of He's one of the best. He's one of the best. He's one of the best. I was sat in the corner on my own, just like really, so nervous. But he was very lovely. And then I said, really good bloke. And then Kevin booked me for the Comedy Store this year in February, which was my first time doing the Comedy Store. Who is that? And that was for the Lily Foundation. Yeah. Yeah, and I that think great. that every year for the Lily Foundation at the Comedy Store. The first comedy store gig I ever saw in London, I've been in London 30 years, it was um, Phil Jupiter's Richard Morton, Linda Smith was on the bill, John Maloney was um, wow. comparing. It was, and I got it, I got it nearly every year. Um, was and, John Maloney doing his bit about the cat? Oh, yeah. Every, every, I love that bit. It's such a perfect sketch. It's so, yeah. so good. And um, Kevin Day, um, what a lovely bloke he was. He came on the podcast. Whenever I see him in Edinburgh, he just wanders up. Hello, Rich, how are you? He, uh, the, one of the biggest coups I've had with this wonderful podcast, um, when I interviewed Kevin Day, we were talking about Barry Cryer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he said, oh, he said, I know him. He said, you can get him on your podcast. And I went, really? Oh, my God. And and he said, yeah, he said, but you've got to give him a telephone call. You've got to ring him. So I came back from my work and I rang him. Hello, is that Mr. Cryer? Hello, is that Richard? It's a very good one. He came on and he did an hour. And, wow. Uh, it was extraordinary. And when he passed in January... I, I was so low, but I had a message from the son saying, um, we didn't get, we didn't say this, but you were probably the last person to have interviewed him about his comedy career. And he absolutely loved it. And, and, uh, so you're, you're with very good company on this. Book. Wow. He was extraordinary and he was a dream to interview. What was it like working with Markham and Wise? What was it like writing for Tommy Cooper? What, it was, it's so many and right up as well to the new, comedians and i will always thank kevin day for that because he was pivotal in 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 in, in getting in getting him to come on the on the podcast he's a he's he's a lovely bloke and a great comedian as well yeah. and he'll do anything for anybody yeah. like he's just yeah. he's a kind-hearted soul and he's been brilliant to me with my career and we do yeah. we, we do the a crystal palace podcast together we've done for almost 12 years now and, and he's just very supportive and just absolutely brilliant. And in fact, he texted me yesterday and I forgot to get back to him. So you've reminded me I need to say text him back. There you go. Say hello from me. Well, um, please do. Um, do you have any ambitions as a comedian? Um, I would like to make a million pounds from comedy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is, like, would you like to write a situation comedy or present a quiz show or something, anything like that? Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I'm because I didn't. Uh, it wasn't my life ambition to get into comedy, and I sort of found it late. I'm trying to be as sort of transient as possible and sort of take things as they come and not put too many expectations on myself because I found yeah. it's very, very easy to sort of weigh yourself down with the expectation if stuff doesn't happen. Um, and I know that I'm I'm now in a different bracket. I'm, I'm an older comedian now, so I'm not, you know, I'm obviously never going to get booked on Mot the Week. You know, I wasn't young and sexy. You know, I'm just, I'm an older comedian. And that's fine. Again, embracing who I am. Um, I do a lot of online stuff. Like I, I'd say my profile is probably bigger online than it is in the comedy circuit. And again, that's fine. I used to struggle with that, but now I'm sort of embracing it. and think, okay, so I'm really pushing my online. And actually every show at the Fringe so far, this run, people have come, from my online stuff. Oh, we love your videos. And literally every day I get people walking past. One of the yeah. flyers of Just a Tonic was like, love your videos, by the way, mate. So obviously this is a nice way to, to play yeah. it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the comedy purist in me, because when I started out, it wasn't like that. It's a bit like, it's cheating really, isn't it, online, Jim, to be honest. But it's but actually it's not. You have to you have to, you have have to to kind of recalibrate your framework. And it actually, it, it's all part of the same goal. It's all yeah. part of the same game. We're all, we're all in the same boat. And whatever you can do to get seen or get heard or whatever, if you're still getting your comedy out there and making people laugh, no matter how you do it, then you'll be a comedian. So I just want to keep doing that, basically, and keep that's, paying the mortgage with comedy. That's, that's such a good answer. Um, who makes you laugh? Who are your favourite comedians? Um, Kevin, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think Kevin's probably the most naturally funny person I know. Um, and it's on the, it's actually made me a better comedian on the, on the podcast. Because when we first started doing the pod, I would really struggle because I was desperate to be funny especially in front of Kevin. 
And if you go head to head with someone like that experience, like it's just it's never going to pay. It's never, you know what I mean? It's never going to pay. It's never going to work. Um, but it's made me better and better. And in fact, I've noticed in the last couple of years, wow, I'm I'm a, I'm much better host on the podcast now because I've uh, embraced kind of my own comedy. I'm not trying to go head to head with Kevin. I'm just trying to do my own thing, and it really works. And we we really bounce off each other well. So he's not only you know one of my favourite comedians. He's been a sort of mentor along the way without almost even trying. And it's just yeah, he's one of the best. Um, but in terms of other comedians, I, uh, when I was younger, I really loved a guy called Dimitri Martin. He's an American oh, yeah. comedian. Yeah. Yeah, he's very, really silly. I love his, sort of, does a lot of wordplay stuff. And that is that has actually influenced me. And I try and do sort of similar stuff as well. But again, very silly, not yeah. too highbrow, not too punchy. Just, you know, very, very silly comedy. He influenced me. And then to be honest, in terms of like songs and stuff. I don't think there's a better musical comedian. I know. It's all subjective, but but my favourite is Doc Brown. Oh, I, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, really... he's, he's a genius. I mean, the guy is is good at everything. There's literally yeah. not, nothing he's good at. And again, luckily, for, again, through Crystal Palace, got to know him, and he's absolutely brilliant, been very supportive. Um, and I just, when I first started out, I was doing musical raps. I, I still do one of them now. And again, he was my influence. I wanted to be like him, and I wanted to be as funny as him on stage. So, um and he's also just one of the best guys. His philosophy on life is just yeah. so, so good. So, yeah, those are probably my favourites. That's brilliant. Well, um, highlights for me, I mean, there's so many with a thousand and whatever, but um, I remember seeing Rick Mail at Carlisle. He was extraordinary. Oh, wow. uh, I saw Bill Hicks in Manchester, Frank Skinner when he first started, Harry Hill when he first started. It, it just goes on and on and on and on. And it's a wonderful... What's not to love about the comedy world? It's such a positive thing to go along and just sit and laugh. It's 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 wonderful. Um, you you've already touched on this as well. Um, you do a lot of online gigs. How do you find online gigs as opposed to live gigs? Um, different. I have to admit, I've not. I went through a stage of embracing them, and I sort of fallen away from that a little bit now that live gigs are back yeah live gigs is a different beast you can feel it it's an energy in the room you can feel yeah. it um, depends on the gig obviously you know james that always be some people do it really well like that um and during the pandemic a lot of people sort of finding their feet i did a couple of online gigs that ended up sort of being comedy workshops with other comedians which like what well, uh, <laughs> and then i wasn't ready i wasn't in the brain space to have my set sort of picked apart afterwards um but it was all it was all it was supported, you know what I mean? Sometimes you've got to be in the right sort of like brain space for that to happen. Yeah. Um, but I did a couple of other online ones that were good. And what was nice about sort of during the pandemic was the the passion that people put on into online comedy and actually really trying their best to to keep things alive because it was, a, I mean, it was a dark, without, without being too, you know, it was a dark time. It was a really dark time for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I still know a comedian now, you know, I, I'll remain nameless who was, a, a veteran of 20 years and one of the best on the circuit and he had to go and work in a, in a warehouse and he still is now and mm. you know and and because the, the effect of that pandemic comedy has come back but it hasn't quite come back in the same way and actually you're seeing that now at the fringe people are more selective people are more careful people aren't making yeah. flies anymore whether that's because of literally of covid or because they're they're more selective about what they do which is totally fine audience behaviors have changed and if you're into social sciences very interesting if you're a comedian trying to sell a show you know it's uh it can be frustrating but um it's yeah comedy has changed for a bit but in terms of online stuff i think i prefer doing sketchy stuff sketches and videos and songs whereas actual live comedy i think i prefer it in the room i just think it's a different yeah 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 it's interesting because um you're so true about uh it was obviously a horrible time not only generally but also for the comedy industry they were they were so badly hit and it it was so awful to see um but um uh online gigs for me i'm i was so pleased they were there because it was better than nothing Mm. um and when they first started as i said i used to go to always be comedy i'd also go to happy mondays with sean james and i'd go to an irishman abroad with um uh uh regan on a Friday and um, uh, done well. They were great. But when they first started, there was no audio. So I, w- I would sit here and laugh at four walls. And I'm thinking, nobody can hear me. What's getting people banging on the walls, you know. But when they brought the audio in, um, 
the, you could see the comedians timing the jokes and chatting to the audience. And they, they got better and better. But overall, you cannot beat a live experience. I love to have a, a few beers on a Saturday night, go out with friends, and then go and sit down and, as I say, just laugh like a drain. And you're in the moment because you never know what's going to happen. And thank God that it is back. And thank God that the fringe is back for the big one this year for the 75th birthday. The last two years, um, I was sporting everything online and it just was not the same. It was so hopefully we can get back to, uh, not as normal as possible, you know, and I'm yeah. really forward to going up there next. I week. should, uh, I probably should mention my mate Dave Bibby, who's another one of my sort of comedy mentors, my best mate in comedy. He did a lot of online gigs uh, during the pandemic, and he gigged with Ivo Graham for one of them. I Obviously, Ivo, like I mean, one of the best. Ivo's great. Yeah, one of the most clever, you know, cleverest comedians. But apparently, during this online gig, because I think Ivo was headlining, so he's like sat through like the first hour and a half, or whatever. He and while Dave's talking to the audience, Ivo had gone on LinkedIn and found all the audience members. And was then when he went on stage, was taking the piss out of various like where they work, what they do, or their <laughs> skills. I mean, that's genius. That's it's absolute so genius. Good. It's so good. Apparently, he uh, well, he did um, always be comedy preview for his Edinburgh show, and um, this was just last week. And I couldn't make it. And and the guy on the door said, "Oh, uh, Ivo was asking where you were." <laughs> <laughs> lovely because oh, you know it's like where's rich you know but you're I'm as t- famous as the act there aren't you but it's a <laughs> like me do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience or have you done this before you were a comedian uh do you know what i don't go to i don't go to as many as i should <laughs> do really um i do feel a bit out of the loop with that which is why at the fringe I'm going to try my hardest to get to as many as possible because there's no excuse. I mean, they're literally right there. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I don't, I don't go to as many. I think I, I do have a sort of slight struggle sometimes with like, if it's not me on stage, yeah. uh, which is a, maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know, but like, I, um, I need yeah. to get better at just embracing. Cause obviously the only way you get better at comedy is immersing yourself in it and seeing other people and seeing other styles and, and being inspired. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only reason I'm doing this 20, this, 2022 solo show is because my mate Dave Bibby who I mentioned earlier in 2019 we did a shared football show together for half the run but he did a full run of his own solo show and I went to see it crazy cat laddie it was called uh, about having cats and um, it was such a good show I remember sitting in uh, it was at Globe Bar on Nidri Street I remember sitting there thinking I have to do a show I was so inspired I have to do my own show so yeah that is an example of actually yes going to live comedy really does help so I, I do need to do it more that's fantastic. As a as an extension of that, if you're on a comedy bill, do you stay and watch all the other acts? Yeah, so that that is def- that is something I do. Unless I like, unless it's in like leak and I and, and I have to get home, then well. sometimes I won't. But normally, that was something that was drilled into me quite early on. Definitely watch other acts, especially if you are doing a ten spot on a pro night, because watching experience acts will really really help you. But even even here in Edinburgh, I did a, I did a compilation spot yesterday and stayed I was first on stayed and watched the other acts and it was really nice seeing other yeah. acts one one act I hadn't seen for years so it was nice seeing him again and then watching new acts I hadn't seen before so I think yeah I know if I can I normally definitely do um because I think I think it's kind of just it's nice and respectful to do it anyway but I do appreciate but, it, but, it, but it's also like you say um respecting the different styles of comedy as well you know and 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 it's great that everybody can Say what they like, do what they want, and above all, try and be funny with 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 the crowd. It's a it's a it's a wonderful medium. Um, I have so much enjoyed talking to you. I could talk comedy to you all day. Uh, same all day. I really could. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, where people can find you on social media? Um, are you writing any books or anything like that? Um, I'm not writing any books. Uh, mm. God, I'd love to. I did I, actually. I did release a book during lockdown with my mate Jar. So we do a podcast called Blank. So that's, I guess that's somewhere you can see me. And we did do a book on that. That was great. It was a very stressful experience. I, I felt like I was at school again. Actually, my homework. It was stressful. Um, but pleased with the product. Um, no, but online. So my 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 handle on basically every platform is at Jim Daily Comedy. Uh, and that's daily with no eyes or e. It's the it's the Irish, the classic old Irish version. Um, 
So I'm very active on uh, TikTok, even though I feel about 20 years too old to be on there. That's the uh, only one I haven't experienced yet. I'm on every other platform, but I, I, I don't know what I would put. Maybe these, I suppose, I would yeah, put on. I think, you can, I think it's actually the only platform where you can almost, it's a bit of a meritocracy and you can put pretty much anything. Yeah. And, and you, yeah. people will find, there's little corners of TikTok and you people will find you. I do, I do football comedy on there. So I've yeah. found my little sort of football comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it's worth doing, but it's the same on any platform. I think you put your stuff up there and, and people, you know, you find your audience. It's been lovely in Edinburgh having that audience now come to see gigs live. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually in daily comedy on uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube and whatever, wow. and whatever platform's next. Everywhere. You you and me both, my friend. Well, <laughs> listen, uh, I wish you every single success at the Fringe. You so deserve it. Um, and uh, I, for one, am determined to either come and see you or certainly find where you are and buy you a drink when I'm there. Definitely. I look forward to it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being a fantastic guest and all the very best to you. Thanks, Rich. I've loved it. Thank you very much. Brilliant.